Welcome to episode seven of the Women's Hurling podcast, brought to you once again by Burke Sports. Um, for all your gear needs, www.burksports.ie or norma.clancy at burksports.ie. Sarah, you've gone rogue on us this evening. We will not be mentioning that brand. It's bad enough that Woods has had a shocker in the Masters as we're recording this without you uh, bringing the brands out. Fiona's rocking it, so that's okay. Davey, you had a fine win yesterday. Uh, is it true that the kit man forgot the sports drinks and Tony Kelly stood up in the dressing room at halftime? He's hand over a barrel of water and there was power aid. Is there any truth in that at all? No, no commentator. No commentator. <laughs> too, too, too early. I, I'll talk to you at the end of the championship. Don't worry. <laughs> Class performance. You're going well. Uh, results of the weekend. So, senior championship, Cork 315, Clare 8 points, Tipperary 112, Waterford 10 points. In the Nancy Murray Cup final, the first silverware of the year for Cavan, I did a 214-13 win over Tyrone in Inneskeen. Uh, in the intermediate semi-finals, uh, Kerry had it. Were home and hosed in the in the quarter final with quarter of an hour to go. Got pegged back by Leash. Uh, Leash won one ten to one six in extra time, and Mead beat Derry one thirteen to eight points. So where that leaves us uh, heading into the semi-final stage of all three competitions, we're down to Galway versus Tip and Kikini versus Cork. After that draw in the senior, uh, shout out to the LGFA. Uh, they've avoided the clash in uh, with Cork, which is great to see. Um, I know we can be negative enough about that kind of thing at times, so fair play to everyone involved there. This uh, intermediate semi-finals, Antrim against Leash and Down against Mead. We avoided a repeat of last week's fixtures, so obviously there might be someone out there listening that adjusted that, so fair play to you. And in the junior, we have the two Nancy Murray finalists stepping up. Uh, it's Armagh against Tyrone and Roscommon against Cavan, and we'll talk about all of that later. So uh, we've plenty to be talking about, so we'll start with the first big game of the day down Park Creeve, which was Cork against Clare. Uh, we were there, Fiona. We were well looked after. It was a nice, safe environment. There was no tea and coffee there, uh, which is obviously a COVID restriction, but you came to the rescue. So it came to the rescue like a savior in with a roll and coffee. So fair play to you. Um, but we'll start talking about the game. I suppose, Fiona, Claire were very competitive for 45 minutes this game. Yeah, they really were. And it was, it was great to see. Um, I think we were saying that if the pitch was probably not like the beautiful astroturf it was, it was just in such good condition and we thought that kind of um, could have hampered Clear's performance in a way that if they had kind of a, a worse pitch or a slower pitch, sorry Jamie, and it would have helped Clear a lot but Cork were just, um, no, Cork were just well drilled and they were slick and they were, yeah, they, they really rose to the game I suppose and the, the quickness of that pitch and the good ground really suited them. Yeah, the pitch was class. Like it hardly knocked a tap out of it. And it's funny enough, I saw a few highlights of your game, Davy, and the sideline in Port Leash was ploughed up. And even in Turles today for the Munster final, it looked kind of heavy at times. There was people sliding all over the place. Literally, and there was some rain down in Cork all day. Not a tap did it knock out of the pitch. It is actually phenomenal. Um, but you're right, it probably did help Cork because they were just that bit slicker. I suppose the clear defence um, was absolutely Superb for the first half. The full back line we've talked about before. It's one of the top full back lines of the game. Kira Grogan, Claire Herr, um, and Kira Doyle. Alana Ryan was excellent throughout for them. Um, and Ian Kelly led the attack well. Like Claire clearly had a game plan. Um, they kept their back six intact and they were very compact and it kept it very tight in the first half. But Davey, we talked about this last week that if Claire were going to keep it compact, they were going to have to have a game plan to counteract Orla Cronin's style of play. And obviously they didn't. That's the thing. And like we talked about it. So obviously the Clare management aren't listening to our podcast. <laughs> but that's the way Clare set up. They set up solid in the back, um, deep. But that leaves a centre forward to go roaming and cause trouble. And 
that, that's what Orla did. Like, I think Orla had 19 possessions and for everything, she was a central figure for everything Cork did well. And everything got played through her, through that centre forward position, moving left and right, giving a lot, like, we, like the Galway game, she was given a licence to go where she wanted and which caused most problems for Clare. Yeah, definitely. And like, I suppose we talked about this, Fiona, maybe about 10 minutes into the second half. Clare were well drilled, well organised and had a clear game plan, which is what, I suppose, what you'd expect out of any team. But we're not sure was it the right game plan. Uh, so they got the ball to the middle third and tried to play a nice ball into the forwards. But they ended up with a full forward line of Mairead Scanlon, uh, Anya Lachlan and Chloe Morey. And they just got absolutely cleaned out. They got cleaned out because the ball has been played into the corner. Laura Tracy had an absolute field day. Maeve Cahillan, Libby Coppinger, they absolutely roasted them. So I wonder, would Clare have been better off? I think you might have mentioned it halfway through the second half, going a bit more direct with a, with a big physical full forward line like that. Yeah, definitely. They, did, they just didn't have the pace to deal with Cork's pacey full back line. Like, those are three fine camogie players we called out there. But, it, as we said, they wouldn't be as mobile, I suppose, as Cork's full back line, who are just very flighty, very fit. They were out first every ball. So, yeah, maybe a more direct style probably could have suited them. Definitely. I suppose in previous games, they have put Emer Kelly in into the full forward line. But I suppose they suffer from, from that old problem when you have a really good player out the field. If you put him in, who's going to hit the ball into her? And yeah, so they, I suppose they couldn't afford to lose that. Dave, you mentioned Orla Cronin there. Like this game for me was about four players. Like Cronin was phenomenal. She's in player of the year kind of form. Just like 19 possessions is absolutely off the charts. She scored two points, laid on two points, hit all her frees. Solid, solid, solid performance. Um, Katrina Mackey was brilliant. I suppose in the previous games that we've seen, um, Sarah and Fiona in particular, you've seen a lot of Cork. They've been heavily reliant on Amy O'Connor and Linda Collins. And now they had, and us obviously Orla Cronin, now they had Katrina Mackey really looking like the old Katrina Mackey and had a phenomenal game. Um, we thought Linda Collins was kind of quiet enough, Fiona, until we started, kind of tottered up at the end. And she laid on five points, one from play and, and four assists. So on a quiet day to contribute like that is, uh, is serious going, but I suppose that's Linda's style. She just goes about her job, wins a lot of possession, lays it off. Amy O'Connor was just absolutely outstanding. Like, her, her jinx left and right or something else. Like she could give, uh, I think we talked forward, what about Dean Rock giving lessons and <laughs> Amy O'Connor could give lessons in jinking left and right. It's unbelievable at some scale. And sure, once she gets away from a player, I don't think there's any player in the whole championship that could catch her when she's on a run like that. And I said it as well yesterday, it's like, it's so surprising to see a player who's so quick, so fast, so athletic, but then to have such good hurling on top of it all, like she really is the whole package, like, you know? Yeah, and like Kira Grogan probably held her for a long period again yesterday, and she still contributed 3-3. I was talking to Don O'Rourke on Friday evening, and he was telling me a story about Sergio Ramos, Mark and Messi. And Ramos said, like, you know, every time Messi gets the ball, he's going to turn left and go. But every time he gets the ball, he turns left and go, and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's yeah. what Amy O'Connor is like. He's like, every time you get the ball, you know she's going to jink, and you know she's going to go. But what do you do about it? Like, if she gets out in front, you're done. That's it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, there's no two ways about it. And, look, a phenomenal performance. So, look, yeah, top, top class from Cork in the finish. They just, as in all their games so far, they, they finished really, really strong. Apart maybe from the Galway game. I suppose if we're looking at All-Stars, Fiona, who stood out for you? And again, sure, Amy, definitely, like, just give it to her at this stage. Like, you know, unbelievable. Definitely up there for Player of the Year. Like, you know, she's really, really no matter what happens, Cork, in the next match, 
I think she'd be right up there. Like she's been really, really without Amy O'Connor, Cork, I'm not sure they'd be where they are at the moment, like you know. And who else I think was good? I suppose we, we talked about Orla amazing, like a lot of the stuff went through her. We also spoke about Ashton Thompson, who like for Ashton, we thought appeared at stages possibly one or two little kind of uncharacteristic mistakes, but God, she was pulling the strings at times there. She was delivering perfect passes straight to hand. Um, and she actually did an awful lot. She played a nice little, she was kind of deep for a lot of it. Um, again, like we talked about Cork's kind of hand-free performance in that they're, they're possibly over, over-drilled in that there's so much hand-passing going on. It's like as if they're being restricted in their, what they want to do themselves. But look, when you're winning games, 315 to 8 points, there is nothing really wrong with it. I just don't think they're the most exciting to watch at the moment. But um, yeah, in your corner, Ashton Thompson, Orla Cronin, and I think obviously Katrina Mackey, they're the match as well. Unbelievable. So accurate. And Definitely. Just, yeah. Top class. And I suppose for me to add to that, I thought Laura Tracy was unbelievable again. Good, yeah. Like when, so when they played it down the channel, she was out in front and they played it in high. She just dogged them out of it. Like top class, Maeve Cahillam's excellent. I think we both commented on Amy Lee as well, that she's really... Yeah. I suppose grown into the role now that uh, that she's been given to run of games as well. She was so composed, picked out her puck out so well, just a really and spoke so well to her full back line. Like she was out at the edge of the square a lot for a lot of the match. I thought Cork had an extra player there in the full back line. At some stage she was right beside the full back line and you know, encouraging them. I think she's picked up a good few pointers to meet Murray in the in the talking side of things anyway. Uh, let alone the the unbelievable her puck outs were excellent. Yeah, like, yeah, like she's got five there from Cork now, like so. For a, for a kind of a boring team, they still have a lot, go, a lot going on for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'd, love to, I'd love to have a boring team to coach that scored. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, interesting point, actually. How, why is it still that the goalie wears the same colour jersey in goalie? I don't know. Why are we still wearing it? <laughs> 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 you know? It's like I've asked for the, the third secret of Fatima there. Yeah. Well, well, could you ask the same question? Why doesn't the hur- uh, hurling men's hurling goalkeeper wear the same colour as the outfield team? Like, why? I mean, there is something to do with challenging the goalie or something, isn't it? Or there is some rule about it. Is there? In, in Gaelic football, no, in Gaelic football, the reason it was changed was because the goalie used to be allowed to pick the ball off the ground inside the small square. So the referee had to be able to see who could do it. But I don't know what the reason is for hurling. Right. Interesting. And obviously, fact. obviously, in soccer, he's the one who can catch the ball. So it's handy that he has a different jersey on. I don't know. No one heard it actually. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I suppose if, if anyone does know, give us a shout and let. let yeah. Us just know. leave it in the comments there on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn. I, should, I know, never ask a question before we come on. Maybe that was a bad there. But anyways, um, I suppose from the clear side, uh, look, I mentioned the Lana Ryan there. I thought even when things were going tough. Um, she really stood up and, and drove it on. And look, Emer Kelly was very impressive again at centre forward, um, and has consistently been so. I think that kind of covers everything. Like the full back line was very, very good for Clare, um, but ultimately, I suppose they caved in under the the pressure that they were on. Like you can only keep that up for so long when there's so much ball coming in. But um, they can hold their heads up high as well. They they, they put up a, a really good performance. Uh, Sarah, you got a you managed to catch a good bit of this before you headed up the road in a scheme. Um, how do you feel about Cork now, having, I suppose, maybe been not overly impressed with them after the Wexford game, but haven't seen them twice since? Still worried about their long striking. So I, I think when they meet a busy team who are you know, intense as them, in, as them in terms of their defensive play, Kilkenny won't shy away from getting up in their face. And sometimes you need to be able to deliver 
you know, long, long ball into your inside line. And a couple of times, Orla Cronin went yesterday to strike the ball as a pass, and, and she wasn't actually able to do it. You know, she wasn't as comfortable. Yes, she's comfortable taking shots and she's comfortable on freeze, but it just in the middle of the park yesterday, she was looking up. She wasn't actually finding the pass. So they will need to work on that for the next two weeks because they do need other options than running off the shoulder. Mm. As well, I don't think the Kilkenny cornerbacks are going to be too worried about Amy. I like, uh, she was nullified. <laughs> yeah, I, she was nullified for <laughs> 45 minutes yesterday. Um, and, then, and then she broke out. So, you know, if, if the game's in the melting pot and, and they actually have that support and they're able to switch Grace onto her or they're able to switch Colette onto her to quieten her for, you know, for 10 or 15 minutes, there are options there that... You know that old saying though, if you give me an axe and 10 hours to chop down a tree, I'll spend the first nine hours sharpening the axe. <laughs> and that's what Amy O'Connor is like, you know. You can, there's yeah, only so much of that you can put up with before you just crumble. You just know? When he got sent off, she pulled her down with a rash challenge. Next thing she couldn't do anymore, bang, floodgates open, game over. Just yeah, I don't have, just I think a player that can mark her in championship moment, I genuinely know. She apart was, she from over. Davina Tobin, maybe. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. That would be some battle. We're getting, we're a week ahead of ourselves here, but go on, Davy. <laughs> just just on that, like I don't know. I think that's a small bit harsh, uh, Sarah. That like okay. yeah, like even from the game last week. The last week's game against Galway was a very physical game. She came out that sore. She got a lot a lot of hard hits. She she was a player that was watched and rightly so. All right, Paddy. <laughs> <laughs> but they got too much attention. <laughs> But then uh, going into this game, like probably didn't train a whole pile on the on the Tuesday. Only getting into it on Thursday, it it might take that half an hour. To, but like on a top top player, it'll come out in the end. And I think that's what she did produce in the end. Mm. Okay, uh, but she produced against her. We're tired, you know. Yeah. Harder year form, but if okay, if I'm anyone not, if I'm anyone defensive. Yeah, no, 100%. And if anyone I'm not going to do it now in the semi of the final, and then we'll chat about hurler of the year. I'm not handing it over at Cork. <laughs> but if, any, if anyone will fancy their chances of shutting her down, it's Davina Tobin, who, like, that's what she specializes in. That's what she does. Like, that's what's on her business card. Shuts down corner forwards. But, like, you, you have to agree with me as well, though. Cork play in very small spaces. So mm. the next two weeks, they should really concentrate on firing ball into the forwards, into the corners, and, and trying opening up their play because they just play. Yeah. It was an interesting point actually, Sarah, because like their their long striking would let them down a bit yesterday. I can't think they did actually try it um, a few times yesterday, and I'd say if we I don't know, Sully, you're a good man for the old stats, but they hit a lot of ball into the keeper yesterday. I know they were playing against the wind, but it was probably it was the wrong choice. You have to you know address what's in front of you or you know the the weather conditions and stuff, and they didn't do that. Like you know, Orla Conan hit a few short, Ashley Thompson hit one or two short. So definitely the long strike in his face. But are they, are they allowed long strike? I'm not sure, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the interesting matchup there will be whether Megan Farrell goes toe-to-toe with Orla Cronin. Like, Cork make you make a decision. Do you follow Orla Cronin and leave your defence wide open? Or do you let her out into the middle of the field whereby you're instantly handing him the overlap that they want to play their hand-passing game? So mm-hmm. that's, that's the choice you have to make. So will Kilkenny back their, their five backs five on five? Uh, with Cork and let Megan follow Orla or will they sit back and hope that that one of their forwards or midfielders maybe Anna Farrell or, or someone like that picks up Orla Cronin and works in the back yeah and, or, and Orla Cronin got there with match 
and yeah. and Dawson became a side side note. So mm. I think it's going to be very interesting. That. Yeah. yeah, that's going to be a huge like that'll be a tactical battle and a half. It's going to be class. But look, we'll save that for next week, or there's no one be listening next week, right? So. <laughs> We move on to tip against Waterford. Uh, Davy and Fiona, you gave Waterford the nod, okay? But before I throw you under the bus, so did Ursula and Rina on RTE. So obviously the lads are listening here, took our tips. There's a lesson in that there, <laughs> Ursula and Rina. <laughs> Go on, make sure show yourselves on national television by, by going with what we say. Go back yourselves. I know. Uh, Sarah went for a tip and so did Paddy Power. Two people who are very rarely wrong, it turns out, Sarah and Paddy Power. So look, do you know, but anyways, um, this was a really interesting game, Fiona. I suppose we thought at half time Waterford had a really good chance. Like Tip had played with a strong breeze, it hadn't quite clicked for them. They had a lot of wides, they were two points up. I think Fergal O'Brien would have been very happy at half time. But I think ultimately it came down to, in my eyes, one team who completely backed themselves to go and do a job, and another team who were worried about what the other team were going to do. Um, if you look at it, I suppose, like we, like we had highlighted in the last couple of games, Kate Lynch and Lorraine Bray were the platform that made Waterford tick. They were bombing back forward from the back. Um, Tipperary picked Claude McIntyre at wing forward, which I thought was definitely a dummy team. She hadn't featured at all. Obviously, Bill knew exactly what he was doing. A pacey youngster sat, down, sat on top of Lorraine Bray and stopped her from going forward. Job done. Contributed very little from play, but job done. Tactical masterclass, superb. We thought he'd play Arena Friday there. Arena Friday's natural game is to drop deep and pick up ball, which allowed Lorraine Bray to sit and do whatever she wanted. They didn't do that. So Bill, hats off, top class. Now, Waterford then played Kate Lynch at wing forward. So now all of a sudden, they've no one bombing back forward from wing back. And in the second half in particular, they couldn't get out of the tip half, couldn't get the ball into the forwards, and their whole game plan just fell apart. And I just wonder... You know, like they started, Watford started with their named half forward line as their full forward line, their named full forward line as their half forward line. And it's like, just was the whole thing just a bit unsettling for them? Were they, were they trying to be too clever? And you said it, Fiona, about Bet Carton. Tipperary had no man marking plan for Bet Carton. And I mean that in the best way possible. Wherever she went, they backed the Tipperary defender to mark her. Like she was on Maria Eviston at one stage, she was on Mary Ryan at one stage, she was on Karen Kennedy at one stage. Tip didn't bat an eyelid, they stuck to their own game plan. That's fair to say, isn't it? You picked that out. Yeah, I think they got no joy yesterday, like, and it was just a, a testament to Tip's belief in themselves. And um, as you said, like, Bill just got his tactics perfectly right. It, they worried about Tip, they didn't worry one bit about Waterford. And as you said, I think Waterford just worried a bit too much about Tip. As I said, they went in two points up, and our Tip went in two points up at half time. And I think Waterford probably would have rested on their laurels at half time and kind of been like, okay, we're. We have a game win behind us now. We're in control here. Bet will fire off a few goals and all will be grand and we'll be winning. Do you know? And it just didn't work out that way, unfortunately. I think any for any Fitzgerald has had an unbelievable year, but just didn't get any joy yesterday. And then when you take a player like Lorraine Bray and you take any Fitzgerald out of any team, if you know Lorraine was taken care of and Annie wasn't having a great day, you needed another Lee Rocket and you needed another Beck Carton to help Lee Rocket and Beck Carton and they just didn't. No, and Annie had one of those days where she always just felt like she was millimetres away from having an unbelievable game. Yeah, getting in yeah, all, yeah. Getting in all the right positions and like you know, spinning the player and it just not happening. Just one of those days where it just didn't quite click for her. Um, no, Kate Lynch had an excellent game at wing forward. Like, you, know, you can't say that playing her wing forward affected her performance. It just it affected the balance of the water for team, I think. 
Oh, David. It might change a winning, a winning setup. Like, mm. as you said, like, it really just, um, I'd say they spent about 10 minutes getting into grips with it themselves, even though they probably obviously had this practice and training and stuff and they knew what they were going to do. But I suppose, you know, even like Park Creek, there's no one there yesterday, but like, it's a huge stadium. Like, nerves would have been there regardless of whether there was a, you know, a crowd, a movie crowd, whatever, that would be like 500 people or whatever, you know. So, I think it was probably a really bad time to go changing up a winning team. It, the more I think about it, the more it doesn't really make any sense. And like, obviously, if it, if it had worked out, we'd be having a very different conversation. But like, looking back at it now, it's why why fix it if it's not broken? Like, exactly. And look, I suppose from a tip point of view, like hats off to them. Like we said, there it was, tactically they were superb. They brought a ferocious work rate and physicality to the game. Um, something I suppose we've only seen on rare occasions in Camogie I think if you look back to Galway in the Ireland final last year I suppose Galway and Cork in the Ireland semi-final last year and Tip yesterday uh, like they were just so up for it so like backing each other up getting four or five players into the rocks we nearly had a row at one stage we were hoping a row would break out I'd never seen yeah. it before <laughs> yeah Miriam Campion was flying in I think she fell over her own player in the end but like they were they were well up for it they were so well up for it like, Karen Kennedy was player to match in RTE. Difficult to argue with it, okay? Fair enough. Like, Karen was superb for us in UL for four years. Uh, she got the goal, got forward for the goal, like, laid on two points as well. Cracking game. Mary Ryan was superb for oh, Tipperary. Yeah. Like, maybe only got on the ball. You did? You did? <laughs> and, like, she robbed, I think, she robbed Beth at one stage uh, in the late in the first half with just, ah, uh, textbook defending. It was just beautiful. But she was so assured. Like she was up around, she was making runs going like off the off the shoulder to centre forward at one stage. Like like Tip just looked like a team who are loving life at the moment, playing the tips to their toes. But for me, this game was about three players. Um, Davy, you texted me and said, "Is Roisin Howard a carbon copy of Orla Cronin?" <laughs> what I don't a know. performance! <laughs> That's the thing. She played very similar to Orla. The way she was given the license to kind of play at centre-forward, but move where she wanted. She could drag the centre-back anywhere she wanted. And it was her knowledge of awareness around her, that spa- where the space was, where the ball was going to be. And she just commended it. Again, I counted possessions. And she had something like 17 or 18 possessions. So, again, something a very similar performance in terms of possessions to Orla. Um, she was literally the link player from defence to attack. So everything was going. Everything that Tip did well was going through her, uh, and what what made it work was Tip. Uh, Tip looked for her, so it wasn't. Tip knew that she was the player to get the ball, and then it, the play would develop from there. And I suppose that's why he, like Tip had a serious game plan, and that's why you need you need to know who your go to players are. It's like in any club team, you have your two or three, we say county players. They're the people you want to get on the ball the most. And, and with Tip... Jeez. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you agree with me there. He's <laughs> well trained, Davey. Yeah. I was obviously talking too much to tell me to shut up. Um, but they, they knew who to get on the ball and yeah. who'd get the job done for her. The assists as well, everything went through her. She had a phenomenal amount of assists. Mm-hmm. It, but I suppose that's easy when you've caught inside to give the ball into that they're making diagonal runs. Um, yeah. But you have to admire her work rate. You, you talked about it already. We said 
the rocks when she didn't have the ball getting in, stopping the defense from coming out and delivering the ball into the forward. Like again, a top class performance. Yeah, for me, Howard is just one of those players that goes completely under the radar. Like she's as comfortable inside in a rock as she is throwing the ball over her shoulder, you know, onto someone running off the shoulder, just class. Uh, caught the van, as you mentioned there, Dave. You had 13 possessions, two points from play, one outrageous one from just on the sideline to 65. So many Yeah, work rate, work rate, work rate. But really, I thought, like, the standout player for me in that game was Neve Tracy. Like, she just looked like she was having one of those days whereby she was just better than everybody else. It was mm. just the biggest kid in the playground. Joe, wherever she goes, she's getting the ball, that's it. She had 17 possessions for Tipperary, covered every blade of grass. Like, she's been one of the best players, top three players in the Ashburn Cup for the last three or four years. And I just felt that had never really properly produced it for Tipperary. I think they struggled. Where did they play her? They've tried her wing back, center forward, full forward. They've tried her everywhere. Midfield dominated, absolutely dominated. Um, and if Tipperary put Ashley Maloney in beside her in wow. midfield for a semi final, that's yeah. some engine. You'd have Maloney and Tracy against Donahue and Kilkenny and Jesus that would be unbelievable unbelievable but for me like those three players had 47 possessions in an hour those three players alone you know it was just it was class it was class for me Neil Tracy was just man of match boy head and shoulders that's no offence to Karen Karen wanted to get any offence to that like Neil Tracy was class class um, there was two outstanding pieces of skill in this game as well uh, rockets between the legs pass was class it looked like a blatant throw from the stand but watching the back again this morning it was deadly and Fiona you were salivating at the Nicole Walsh uh, point in the second half off the stick or the Neve Ryan as you call Neve, it Neve Ryan <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah great again like uh, we're doing it every week but hats off to the streaming services and to RTE for showing that because those are pieces of skill that never would have been seen and it just shows that like you know, the girls had the skill, same amount of skill as the lads, like, you know, and little snippets of that should be going viral, like, and I think they're relatively going viral, so it's great. There was also an unreal save, I don't know, was that showing Oh, anywhere? yes. Yeah. Uh, and that could have been a game changer because, like, we all know that Beth Carton could be a game changer. Beth had scored that goal, like, she, oh, like, some rocket of a shot, like, uh, top right corner, and we were wondering, why is on his lottery goals? Um, do you know, like, because I suppose Pete Burke has been such a solid goalkeeper for two, three years, and by God, we saw why, like, it was such an unbelievable save, and again, could have been, like, there was about, was it two or three minutes left at that stage with injury time and stuff? Bet can do anything in two or three minutes, and if that yeah, is it's crucial. It was a crucial, crucial so, save. It was a great save, so yeah. No, great save. There was clips of it. I think Tip Komogi had clips of it going around on Twitter. It was just absolutely right. superb reaction save. Like, we all know it's a luxury to have a good goalkeeper in Komogi. Like, Tip have two class goalies now, so, like, yeah. that's a real, real luxury to have um, as well. I suppose, look, from an all-star point of view then, Fiona, look, we've listed Mary Ryan there, Karen Kennedy, Neve Tracy caught the van, Roisin Howard on the tip side. Um, and for me, Kate Lynch was the one who kind of carried the carried the battle for, for Waterford, uh, I suppose, a real candidate for the young player of the year with consistent performances. Was there anyone else uh, you'd add to that or have we, uh, have we pretty much... I, I would actually put on Lee Rocket again. I think she just needed more support yesterday. Um, she had one or two, she's some pair of hands and one or two unbelievable catches. There was a great score there, puck out straight from Brianna, oh, yeah. Rocket over the bar, like, you know, in, in Parky Creek, like, which is a big pitch, you know, so that was really, really an excellent score, but she just needed more support. She ended up going too deep 
because she wants to get on the ball and then, you know, there was no one inside for her. And you know what, in, in fairness, it says a lot about how unbelievable she has been all year that we kind of, I kind of left her out there nearly the talk. Like, she was really, really good. She yeah. set her, She set her own kind of standards now as to yeah. how good we expect her to be as well. So, um, yeah, look, Tipper into the semi-final for the third year in a row. So I think, you know, people would often talk, oh, you know, you have your big three, which I know a lot of people don't like. Um, who's the fourth team? I think it's safe to say Tipperary firmly established themselves as the fourth team now. But the question is, can they grasp the opportunity they have and drive on and achieve something really, really big? Um, we'll talk about the preview for the semi-finals next week. Uh, we'll move on to the Nancy Murray Cup. Cavan versus Tyrone, the first silverware of the year being handed out in Inniskeen. Sarah, you were up there uh, with your better half as well, dragging him along to his first ever Tyrone Camogie game. Uh, another Camogie title for the Grevels. Like, is there any stopping them at all? Jimmy, Johnny's brother, is the Cavan manager. He was on the Westmead management team as well last year. Uh, another serious achievement for him. So they won it 2 14 to 1 3. The results running up to it suggested that they would be uh, too much for Tyrone realistically but the game was played on a super pitch can't fault pitch uh, but it was played in a gale and both teams obviously struggled with the gale uh, in, in either half and Tyrone probably stayed in the game for longer as a result so at half time it was 2-4 to 1-1 but Cavan were then obviously going with the gale for the second half and ended up winning by 2-14 to 1-3 so, you know, they, they put on 10 points in that second half. Uh, Kevin, our backbone by Crosser Lock with like nine players from the Crosser Lock team uh, across, their, uh, across the team. And you had their half-back line is a complete Crosser Lock uh, unit. And then I suppose the big thing for them was they had six different scorers and they, all of their uh, six forwards were on the scoreboard over the course of the game. Um, Hannah Boylan got two goals. Sinead McKenna got three points. Orla Smith was there at the match. Um, Shanice Fitzsimons, Roshina Keefe, Kira Fitzpatrick. Like, this was your starting uh, six forwards. So, pretty dream game for those six forwards to all get on the scoreboard and be so effective. Um, outside of that, I, like, I suppose for Tyrone, Una McCann was in goal for them and she scored two, uh, she said made two absolutely brilliant saves. Like, they uh, both times they were odds on goals and, and she managed to get a stick and get one over the bar and put one out for a 45. Um, two players for them that really stood out, they had a player, Regan Fay, uh, wearing number 10 and I swear to God, she ran the length and breadth of the pitch and she was so effective every time she got on the ball. And their midfielder, uh, Casey Gallagher, both of the girls are from Eglish and just really, really nice Camogie players who, who just love to get up and down the field as much as they can and, you know, able to win the ball in the air, able to win the ball on the ground able to strike the ball 40, 50 yards, and as I said, in a gale. So Tyrone, while disappointed, you know, had there was a lot of positives to the game. It was a really enjoyable game, but Kevin just had too much, too much for them. Mm-hmm. I suppose like uh, up to a couple of years ago, I remember when Limerick were in Division 3 in the Camogie Fiona with, with the second team, they would have regularly gone up to Tyrone and played them when Kevin didn't even have a team. So this is kind of an emergence of a new, I suppose, uh, a new force uh, at that level. Um, without jumping ahead of ourselves, I suppose we know the Premier Junior semi-finals are on next week. I suppose I have two questions about this, Sarah. One, is it right that you win your competition and move up a level and participate in another competition? Would it be better for the Cavan morale if they were able to just throw the trophy up on the sideboard and regroup in January you know, with a kind of a, a renewed impetus for next year? 
that's my first question, I suppose. My second question is, have they got a chance next week against Roscommon, or will the step up from Nancy Murray level, Premier Junior level, be just a little bit too much for them? First off, I think the season's been so short, the girls won't mind having another week at it. You know, if you were talking about a competition that started in February and they were still going in November, yeah, it's unfair, but not with the fact that the teams are only back since, what, 14th September. So I, I think they'll feel fresh. Um, mm. As I said, those six forwards, you know, there's nothing like getting, you know, 14 points on the board and wanting to go out and do it all again. Um, Roscommon's results haven't been great. Um, so I, I think Kevin, with, with the fact that they have that momentum behind them, they've played what's loud, Tyrone, and Tyrone now again, um, and they've won all of the games, they're unbeaten. Yeah, I, I think they have a shout. I think they have yeah. a real shout. The, the winning momentum is a great thing. Uh, if Jimmy is anything like Johnny, they'll have their homework done on Roscommon. They'll certainly be prepared. Roscommon are back road, backbone, the lock boy at league in four roads, aren't they? Uh, as you say, Kevin have a lot of across the lock players, so it'll nearly come down to kind of a junior club game, nearly drawn in no disrespect, but that's almost what it is. I suppose you would give any club a chance um, on any given day at that, at that level, so it'd be very interesting to see it. For Tyrone, I suppose, quite difficult to take a beating like that and then have to step up and play Armagh, who would be, I suppose, traditionally seen as one of the stronger Premier Junior teams. Yeah, I, I think if the game had been closer, um, Tyrone would have more confidence, but realistically, Tyrone only had three scorers yesterday. Um, and, you know, they're, they were just that bit back. I, like, uh, while, the, while they tried valiantly, a final is a different kettle of fish to other games. It'll it's our mad step too far for them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but well done to Cavan. It's great. It's, it's only their, maybe their second or third year actually putting out a team at any level. So to win a championship is, is superb. Do they get promoted to the Premier Junior next year, or are they maybe who knows? I don't think there's any promotion at all, is there? No, no. I didn't think there was any. No. I think we were talking about that with Wexford as well, with the National League this year, yeah. and mm -hmm. them playing Division Two. I think. Well, then they're promoted to the Premier played. Junior for next weekend. Well, <laughs> 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 oh, actually, okay, this might sound absolutely bananas, right? But if Kevin went on and won the Premier Junior. <laughs> They would they be intermediate. Would they be up intermediate next year? No promotion. There is a day. It's not fair. Like, so there wasn't any anyway, even when Limerick were still in it. But I remember talking mm. to one of the girls, Rebecca Newman from our club, about it. Sure, there was going to be no public park this year, no promotion. Do you remember we were talking about the podcast before? They were playing for absolutely nothing. Like, and now yeah. teams like Kevin and sorry, our Kevin are probably going to get to, well, they're playing Ross Common. But sure, they haven't come across Limerick's second team or they haven't come across other second teams out there because they've all been taking sandals like. Yeah. Yeah. It's great it's for them. Great. It's great they're still playing, don't get me wrong, but they're not playing the best teams either. Do you know what I mean? Or, you but know, it's, not, it's not going to bring them on sitting in that no, no, next year no. so to play Louth and Tyrone again. So they have to go somewhere. You know, like you, you have to be realistic about that as well. So they make a new cup. They make a Turling cup. <laughs> it's for when you're not, you're a small bit too good for junior. Team. You're not you're not quite good enough for Premier Junior. <laughs> okay, moving swiftly on before we get any more hate tweets uh, from Northern Ireland into the county or the country. Um, the intermediate quarterfinals um, were both very interesting today. Um, a very strong second half from Meath um, with the usual the usual suspects, Jane Dolan um, and Aoife Minogue contributing heavily there for them. Uh, they lost last week, so I suppose they're, they're happy to get up and running. Before the competition started, like me, they're always going to be one of the favourites. They're not that long down from senior, not that long down from Division 1. 
So again, Sarah, I suppose, getting a bit of momentum going, um, getting a win, they'll be a threat next weekend as well. Yes, but I think Down have more momentum. Like, I was surprised that Meath obviously lost last week and I actually didn't anticipate them to, to turn it around this week so quickly. Um, I was looking at, obviously, the dairy team. Karen Keelt is the class act always and ever. And maybe it was just that, like, we, we had played dairy a couple of times um, over the years when I was involved with Dublin. And they, they have a lovely style of hurling, but they don't have enough players. So I think Meath, as you said, the momentum they had from Division 1 was probably the difference for them, but it won't be enough against Down. Yeah, no, Down are a really, really slick outfit, I suppose, have been quite close. They were in the final two years ago. Uh, I think one of the Westmead backroom team said he felt that they maybe took their eye off the ball against Westmead in the semi-final last year. Maybe he felt that they were already in Croke Park. So they've been knocking on the door um, for the last couple of years. So And look, obviously, any team that has Neve Mallon in it is just, is always going to have a chance. Like she is like top, top, top class. Um, really interesting game in the rag then that you had more of an eye on I suppose uh, after 45 minutes Leash only had one score on the board Kerry were in complete and utter control of this game uh, ultimately I suppose did the fact that Kerry had a really tough extra time game last weekend did it catch up with him in the end or was it a case that once Leash got going they were just a better side at the end of the day game the rag was a bog right so the ball was literally just landing and then there was it was like feet on top of the ball and it was ball, like it wasn't even bouncing that's how bad it was so it, it definitely suited Leash in terms of their physicality like they were tall tall girls and as the game went on their handling got better their striking got better it, it actually suited them that the game went on for 70 minutes because for the first 40 they were they weren't at the races at all like as you said they had they got they had a goal up to 40 minutes uh, their captain Sarah Cuddy had scored a goal against the run of play, you know, there was nothing spectacular about Leash to that point. And then, I don't know, I don't know how Kerry kind of just lost a grip so badly, but one of the key things, um, I suppose, Claude Tynan and Amy Collier in the half-back line for uh, Leash really got on top and they started delivering uh, lots and lots of ball. And Patricia, or Patrice Diggin just went out of the game um, I think they brought a sub on, and, and I, I'm disappointed I can't remember her name, but she absolutely nullified Patrice in the last 20 minutes and basically wouldn't let her near the ball, wouldn't let her on the ball. And then Quiva Spillan um, for Kerry was doing a lot of work, but because she wasn't getting the supply, she kind of was nullified as well. And then I suppose the, the last thing was Sarah Cray for Leash was dropped back from corner forward to play kind of in the backs for Leash when they got on top and like two or three points in a game that's an absolute bog is is a great uh, I suppose support for for any team. So they just they just bed it in. Um yeah. now two two of Claude Tynan's points came from the middle of the park. Now I know the rag isn't the biggest pitch in the world, but still on a day like today, you know, coming from wing back to to score those was huge for Leash. So like what they scored what? One they scored ten points between mm -hmm. the forty sixth minute, so just after the second water break. Yeah. To the end for, of so for about 35 the minutes, period. they hit 10 points. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah like the, you know, it's, it's an incredible turnaround for, for Leash. Mm -hmm. Kerry will be absolutely kicking themselves because yeah. they looked home and hosed. Like coming into the second, I suppose, coming out of the, the last water break, it didn't look like they were near at all. And actually, Leash scored their last two points in 
the 57th minute and the 60th minute to draw level. So mm. Kerry couldn't even hold them out for the last four minutes. To yeah, they'd be very disappointed, I suppose. Time, yeah. Like for them, if they had if they had held on today to beat Carlo, who I suppose were an established first team in intermediate, and beat Leash, who were an established first team in intermediate, when you're just up out of Premier Junior, it would have been serious progress for them. I suppose in a couple of weeks when they regroup and start thinking about the National League for next year, they'll still be reasonably happy with it. Um, you know, they've established themselves now as a solid intermediate side um, and they're in Division 2 of the league as well. So it's serious progress. Um, serious it is, progress. but they'll hate to have lost the way they lost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, That's going to hurt. That's going to hurt yeah. for the whole winter, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, they'll have no choice. They won't be allowed hurt because they have to go and play in the club championship. So they probably won't stop training at all. <laughs> and Morris uh, beat Brough in the club championship, didn't they? So um, I think they have a Munster intermediate or Munster junior final to look forward to in February. So they'll probably take a couple of weeks off and go back at it again. Um, so that leaves the intermediate semi-finals next week then. Antrim, who were my tip from the very start against Leash and down against Mead. I suppose what we're looking at here or from what we've spoken about and what we've seen so far, we could be very well looking at an Antrim down final here, which would be interesting. Yeah, well, it's the second tier and you've got two northern teams in it. And, you know, I suppose we've always talked about Schlock Neal being so dominant and Schlock Eel being so dominant in the north, but it's not necessarily showing in the All-Ireland phase. But... You know, it's nice to see then if the intermediate does become a northern affair that that kind of work is is showing through at intercounty level. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I know I mentioned before, Antrim have two guys over them that would have uh, managed Antrim hurlers in the past when they were like winning the Division Two, which was the Christy Ring at the time, is the Joe McDonough now, and playing in the Lee McCarthy. Stayed that experience. Don't have Paul Dunn with them. Um, they also have Owen Brisland, a former Tipperary hurler, involved with them as well. Um, so they've like. They're both taking it really seriously. There's a real, I suppose, upsurge in, in fortunes in, in Ulster Hurling at the moment across the Kogi and the Hurling. Antrim are obviously flying the Joe McDonough, their favourites to get promoted to Lee McCarthy. Down beat awfully yesterday in the Christie Ring. They've been promoted to the Joe McDonough for next year. And you've Antrim and Down in the semi final to meet the Kamoi. So, like, I suppose. Donegal bait Tyrone in the Hurling. Donegal hammered Tyrone in the Hurling as well. They did. With a Tyrone lad doing all the damage from by all accounts as well. But. <laughs> Um, yeah, so look, look, you know, winning breeds confidence, and I suppose the Ulster people are, are a real tight hurling community, so they'll all take confidence off each other. Obviously, if Antrim and Dome meet in the final, that gets hard. But yeah, we'll have to get into that. But So look, very quickly, the fixtures for next weekend are in the intermediate semi finals, it's Antrim against Leash, Down against Mead, and in the Premier Junior, it's Armagh against Tyrone and Roscommon against Cavan. Um, I suppose, Sarah, you've probably seen more of the Intermediate and Premier Junior Nancy Murray games than any of the rest of the show. I'm going to leave all the predictions up to you this week, so no pressure. So, Antrim against Leash in the Intermediate. Antrim. Uh, down against Mead. Down. Armagh against Tyrone. Armagh. Oh, Aaron won't like that. Do not give him an old... An old Simply uh, what? <laughs> not a branch of hope, No. No. <laughs> I'm and giving then, that to Dublin and who else do I give it to? I've got now by, by, by being sound, so I'm not being sound. <laughs> <Ross. laughs> and then Ross Common against our Nancy Murray Cup champions, Cavan. I'm going with Cavan. I really Ooh. like the Yeah. Oh, so we'd be looking at a final in Antrim and Down the Intermediate and our Matt Cavan in the Premier Junior. If, if Jimmy Greville manages to pull off winning the Nancy Murray and the Premier Junior the same year, Hats on. Yeah, I what did I say? Six yeah. forwards on the scoreboard for yeah, Cavan. Very impressive. You know? Yeah, very impressive. But guys, that's brilliant. Look, next week we'll have a review of the intermediate and junior uh, semi-finals. 
Uh, we'll have a preview of the big senior semi-finals and we'll also have an update of who's in and who's not in our all-star team as it stands before the semi-finals as well. So that'll be something to look forward to. Uh, thanks very much uh, for your time. Thanks to everyone who's listening. Remember to like, subscribe, and all those buttons. And-